this is Kobe Robinson, and you're listening to Friars on the Farm podcast. Welcome to Friars on the Farm podcast. I'm Donovan, and with me is Roy. How you doing this week, Donovan? I sound like I'm normal. When yeah, you, when, you do. When I just plug everything in, I, I just plug everything in and don't check to see that my microphone is the actual microphone that I'm using. It's not the one for the computer. So you guys, for the past couple episodes, if I've sounded like I'm in a, I'm in the hole of a ship, it's because I just didn't do my proper prior planning and put the right microphone on. You mean you weren't calling in from somewhere off the coast of Ensenada? Oh my God, no, no! But a crack on the head. What a you know, that's, you know, R.I.P. Andy Work for the basis for the Smiths. Totally off topic. That's the song. Barbarism starts at home. Has an incredible bass line. Uh, I'm a big Smiths fan, obviously from the '80s. Um, Morrissey fan as well. Um, love the music, not the artist, but you know the Smiths are just were are were huge when I was uh, when I was in high school. Um, oh, absolutely. And so, also and, the, the cure was just in town this week, kind of similar, yeah. similar genre, similar scene at the time. Absolutely. And as I'm watching the game on Saturday, I'm like, fuck, I shouldn't be at the cure. I should be at the cure concert. God damn it. Yeah. Well, Woodsy was at the concert with, uh, with Corey Stewart and, and Trevor Hoffman. Yeah. And, um, and God dang it. Former Brad Osmus and his wife as well. That was, was he cool. there? Yeah. Well, hopefully a little barbarism is starting on has started at home on last Sunday and now it's continuing on the road with these Padres bats. Uh coming up this week, we're going to chat about some major league stuff, we're going to chat about some minor league stuff, uh and then we've got the Kobe Robinson interview that you did a couple weeks ago. Uh that's going to show up in our storm segment. And and Taylor Robertson, I didn't put that on. So so this week um pretty much the storm is going to be interviews and a little blurb about Robbie Snelling. So no, no, uh, no game details, but just uh, some information for Lake Elsinore storm, because as we know, and you guys probably should know is um, Friday. I'm not sure how soon before game time, but during, you know, the gate tag, I believe it had already been opened and their construction crew was in the home home, uh, not dugout, the home, um, Clubhouse. It's that new building. It, I believe it was that new structure that they've built up up okay. the first baseline, and so and there were contractors in there, and there was some some sort of gas explosion. Uh, two of the contractors were injured. Uh, I haven't heard any follow up as to how serious the injury or anything like that. It sounds like the response from the city of Lake Elsinore, the first responders, was there. Everybody was right on top of it, so any damage was limited to that local area. Uh, no storm employees, team personnel, yeah. anybody was hurt. It was the two contractors alone. Uh, but you know, never hear, never like hearing about anything like that. So yeah, they canceled Fridays and Saturdays games right away, postponed, yeah. I should say, and then they postponed Sunday's game as well. Uh, might as well, you know, give them time yeah. to clean up the clubhouse, get things right, you know, make everything safe for the fans and the and the players and everybody to get back in there uh, once they come off the road. Yeah, absolutely. And the, the, the injuries were reported were moderate. So it probably got a pretty good burn, maybe second or third degree burn, but it doesn't sound like it's that, you know, that heavy. So uh, thank goodness. You know, when I didn't see it until I'm like, all right, game time, this, what, home, oh, what's, what's going on? Then I go to Twitter and I start texting, I, you know, I start texting people. And then they, you know, then they set out the, um, the announcement like, holy cow. <sighs> yeah. Well, sometimes there's stuff that's more important than baseball. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so let's move on to the loops. Well, let's talk about the minor leaguers that are in Major League Baseball and Major yeah. League Minute. Dude, slowly but surely, Tom Cosgrove is 
being allowed is being trusted. Um, I like the way they're using him. I, you know, the, the guy in me wants to just go, all right, put him in every chance you can. That's not how you build confidence with a guy that doesn't have absolutely wipeout stuff. I mean, he has some good stuff. It, it, it's average to above average, but it's not going to be like high leverage stuff yet. Not until he shows that he can do it. Right, but they've slowly been working him into more and more significant situations. Yeah. Um, he's shown that he can come in and get a, a quick out when there's a rough situation going on, you know, runners on second and third kind of thing. He's come in and pitched multiple innings now. Uh, so I feel like, yeah, he's earning a little bit of trust. I've got a scoop for you. Scoop it. Angela and I went to the game on Sunday, and uh, last week the Padres had the Dinner at the Diamond event which was just one of these fancy galas where all the players come out and they've got the, the whole show up on the stage. Uh, and they, uh, they had a little red carpet thing that the Padre social media put out where they're asking everybody, who are you wearing? Who yeah. are you wearing? Oh, I'm wearing Giorgio Armani. I'm wearing, I don't know, something I got from men's warehouse. <laughs> so Snell's wife was like named off three things. And he's like, that's a lot of names. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> Yeah, and then and then Carpenter's like, I got a black suit and a purple tie, and she looks good. <laughs> That's about all he had. Well, Tom Cosgrove steps up in front of the camera, and he goes, I'm wearing Hugo Boss. And I went, hold up a minute. How can Tom Cosgrove, I mean, granted, once he's in the majors, he's pulling a good check, but he's only been in the majors for about five minutes now. He hasn't so got the check I, yet. I don't know if that first check's even cleared. <laughs> so he's been living on the minor league payroll this whole time. Yeah. So I'm going, how does he come up with Hugo Boss? And so we had the chance when they came into the bullpen, I was able to get Tom and be like, hey, how'd you get the suit? Well, it was like two days before when all of a sudden he realizes I, I need to participate in this thing. I don't have a suit. What am I going to do? Josh Hader stepped in and he said, I've got a guy got on the phone five minutes later. He had a suit in route uh, for Tom Cosgrove. Uh, so kudos to uh, Josh Hader for looking out for his teammates. That is so epic. You know, and you don't hear about that anymore. And it used to be a thing like, the rookie comes up, he doesn't make any money, and you know the 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 major league guys buy him a suit. You you hear about it every now and then. You haven't heard about it lately till just now, but that's the major league guys looking out for the younger guys, and I think that's fantastic. Well, this team they aren't quite traveling in suits like they were a couple of years right. ago. You right. know that was a thing that they all got dressed up to the nines when they were leaving on a road trip, so they'd look good. Now everybody's a little bit more casual, and they're not looking sloppy. Everybody's you know. They're put together, but they aren't wearing the fancy suits and the 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 bling and the shoes and all of that stuff. Um, so yeah, I'm sure that was an afterthought that all of a sudden, oh my gosh! But hey, he looked good on the uh, on the camera. Yeah, so I yeah, so he's he's threw two scoreless innings uh, on Friday night and another inning on Sunday. No runs allowed yet. Six strikeouts. He's given up a couple hits. Yeah. Until he came up to the majors, he hadn't given up a hit his entire time in El Paso, and I don't want to jinx anything and knocking on wood over here. He still has yet to give up a run in the 2023 season. Yeah. So that's, um, it was 11 innings, uh, including the major league stuff, a couple, like a couple episodes ago. So now it should be up to like 12 or 13 innings that he hasn't allowed a run uh, from, from triple A all the way up to the major leagues. Get your money, boy. Get, I mean, just, I you just love seeing these guys that come up that aren't top draft picks that, you know, are down in the drag, but they stick to it and they develop and then they develop. We're going to talk a little bit about that once we get into the into the rundown, where guys that you know they they just there's ebbs and flows of your career, and 
he's stuck with it and showed really well. I, like I said before, I had talked to him at fantasy camp and said, dude, you had really like, we were thinking you were going to get a call up. He's like, yeah. And so my last outing, it's the last outing he had in El Paso. We gave him like five, four or five runs, but um, yeah, it's, um, it's really good to see him in. So moving on to Brandon Dixon, you know, and, and here's another opportunity for a, a minor league free agent who's been in the minors forever um, to shine. Unfortunately, it's because Manny Machado's injured and he's going to get that shot. And tonight he had a home run while we're recording. He had a solo shot off Mackenzie Gore. Yeah. And you know, people on Twitter have been awfully rough on Brandon Dixon. Yeah. He's been off to a real slow start. Uh, and it's, it's a, last year he did so well in double A AA and triple A. He absolutely went off. So I was hoping that when he came up late last year, we'd see a continuation of that kind of cooled off a little bit. And this year, I, I think because everybody else is struggling, yeah, the focus is that much more on the guys at the back end of the lineup, yeah. which, you know, it, it hurts when you're looking at Hassan Kim struggling and Austin Nola struggling mightily. Uh, I don't know if you saw Dennis Lynn's article today, he was pointing out their, their struggles to try to find a catcher. Um, but it's, it's been, it's been rough. So happy to see Brandon Dixon get off the Schneid today. Hopefully that's the start of many to come uh, with this opportunity he's got right now. Yeah. And we're not looking, we're not looking for him to save the franchise or Brett Sullivan to save the franchise. We just want him to come up, have a good showing. So when he needs to get caught up later on, you know, he's not DFA'd he there's, he's optioned and you know, people keep saying, well, we don't want to, you know, we want to make sure we're not going to get another Brent Rooker. Like, I don't think Brent Rooker would make this roster, but he would make the roster in, in Oakland. Right. And, to be having really and good, it, nobody saw that coming. Right. Same thing and he could, fall, Ruiz. he could fall off a cliff, you know, uh, Brent Rooker. I mean, I think Asturi Ruiz is legit. He's doing what Asturi Ruiz, you know, what people have thought he was capable of doing all along. Yeah. Playing pretty dang good center field, stealing a whole bunch of bases, getting on base at a moderate clip, hitting okay every once in a while. He's got the pop to put one out every once in a while. Man, I I, I miss the guy. I yeah. would so love to have him on this roster right now. But I'm happy to see Jose Azokar back up. The uh, the Padres, they designated Adam Engel for assignment. As soon as Azokar was ready to go, he played, I think, one or two games in El Paso on a rehab assignment, showed that the elbow's healthy, uh, came up and, oh, he had a nice throw out the other day. I don't remember. I don't think he quite got the guy, but he, the throw was right on the money. Yeah. So the elbow's healthy. So I'm happy to see uh, Azokar back up in that end of the roster spot in the outfield. Absolutely. So that's the end of the Major League Minute. Uh, let's move on to real quick for the, before we go into the MILB news, um, we want to congratulate two hours hitting coach and longtime friend of the podcast, Vero Padron for becoming an American citizen last Thursday. Congratulations. That's fantastic. And so he's a Venezuelan native. He's been with the Padres coaching staff for over five years now. Yeah. We've talked to him, I think three times. Uh, he was the first person I met when I went to to spring training uh, back in, what was that, 2018, my first time. Uh, me and Angela were just trying to figure out our way, like, what's where? And here's a guy wearing a Padres shirt, and turns out it was Raul Padron. Couldn't have been nicer. Uh, I, I, he's such a cool cat, too. Yeah, uh, so, absolutely. So congratulations to him. Our next item up here is is something we haven't talked about for a while. We have championed in the past, and it's just absolutely incredible. Yeah, this this story when uh, when you pointed it out to me, this really 
you know, you've talked, we've talked about this stuff in the past, but I don't think I've seen it highlighted quite to this level of detail. So the, uh, the headline, they pay $80,000 for a prospective 10 year old boy who would sign in 2029 by Nathaniel Perez Nero for Diario Libre. And so this, tra- this article was translated from Spanish. Um, I think it was Hector Gomez that shared the article and brought it to our yeah. attention. Uh, so in recent weeks, an agreement has materialized that illustrates how the industry of developing Dominican prospects has been transformed in the last five years. The rising costs, the sharing of the pie, and the long-term risk incurred by programs. A coach reportedly agreed to pay $80,000 to a parent to prepare, represent, and sign a child who is still 10 years old. And when I read that, what what my brain interprets that as, it's like indebted servitude. Yeah. It's like you're buying this child from the yeah. family so you can put this child to work for the next five years and hope that you can sign them to a free agent contract and then reap the, the rewards of that. And then some of that's going to go to the family. Some of that's going to go to the trainer. Some of it's going to go to the agent. So and, the, and- the deal, Roy, is half. Half the signing bonus goes to the Buscone. Right. The agreement would establish that if the boy were to sign, the coach would receive 50% of the initial bonus. The prospect is, is from the 2028 class. So if the international draft is not incorporated for the 2026 labor agreement, he will be eligible to be recruited by a team in January 2029. The child's representative who requested the omission of his name and that of the minor to protect his privacy explained to DL that he made a large investment in the legal investigation to verify the identity of the prospect, given that both physically and in development of the game looks very advanced for his age. Quote, he looks like a 13 or 14 year old, but he's really going to be 11 this week. He's a phenomenon. He's going to cause a stir when it comes time to sign, the coach said. The boy will turn 11 this week. He's a native of Santa Domingo Norte, and his father has already worked as a coach in a program where prospects have signed millions. If all goes well, it would take the technician seven years, technician, I think that means infielder, (laughs) uh, seven years of working (laughs) with the child before the money was collected, or maybe that's trainer. Uh, Headhunters from all 30 organizations are starting the talent screening process earlier and earlier. The strategy allows them to gain steps and save money by closing early on players who project to skyrocket their mark their market value. So the Padres just signed Ethan Salas for 5.6 million, pretty much every penny that they had and the signing. Uh, but they, it's been known for like three or four yeah. years that the Padres had some sort of handshake deal with this kid. Yeah. And here you got a 10 year old. I mean, how do you look at a 10 year old and have any idea what they're going to look like at 15, 18, 20, 25 years of age? Well, even, you know, being that tall at that young, there's a lot to figure out. There's a lot to work through. You know, they talk about, um, you know, a kid that looks like he's 13 or 14 years old is going to be going to be what? Close to five, maybe close to six feet. Right. Well, remember, what was it? Danny Almonte in the Little League World Series. Yeah. What was that? 15 years ago where here's this kid who's like six foot throwing 85 miles an hour from a 45 foot <laughs> rubber and just dominating. I, I think it came out later that his his birth certificate was fudged, but still, it was. And then there are kids that are early bloomers. Yeah. So the time it's, but it's you know, like you said, it's, it's commonplace. And during the last CBA, it was the third rail in negotiations. Like it's so, it is a very um, complex formula to to create draft, you know, levels of draft in the international market you don't have you're, you're relying on scouts yes and the buscones but but you don't have the level of 
high school, the level of talent in, in areas in the Dominican Republic and any other country um, that you do in America. So when you know you get a college kid, you know you're going to get that much development. You're going to know exactly where he's at and where he could be uh, when you draft him. But when it comes to, you know, a scout's eye, sure, that's, I mean, that means a lot. It does mean a lot. But a lot of it, it it's still, you know, it, it's only a few looks. If if not, you're, you're trusting a guy who's selling the product. Like he's selling this kid. Right. And here in the States, you know, the kid's required to go to high school. Maybe yeah. they get their GED and they go to one of these training academies. But even then, there's still education going on. Um, and then baseball is like a side focus. And yeah, you've got the whole circuit with the showcases and all this. But at least the kid's getting an education through through high school. They're supposed to be. Where in a third world country, there's no requirement for that. You know, yeah. this kid, his education is go learn baseball. Yeah. Yeah. Go lift weights, go do drills all day long. Uh, you know, maybe a little bit of a class here and there so they can qualify as an academy by their local rules. Uh, it's just, it's such an exploitation kind of a thing yeah. all the way going back from single digit age. And it's just, yeah. it's disgusting. So, okay. So you're going to replace this with some sort of a draft. Now you've got this whole system of trainers and academies and all this, and it's all funded by these major league bonuses that these kids are signing for. Yeah. So how did you replace that? That means that somehow major league baseball has to come up with a way to subsidize that whole system. So then those kids have an opportunity to train and become, you know, whoever you think they're going to be by the time they're 15. And then you have this draft. Because now you, the Padres, it's, okay, next year's uh, big signing, uh, DeVries. Everybody knows he's going to be a Padre. There's pictures all over his Instagram of him wearing head-to-toe Padres gear. Right, right, right. And he's a year away from signing. Uh, for, what, four or five years, he's probably been training in a Padres facility down there or a facility like that's run Connected by all to, people right, that he's... funnel into the Padres. Yeah. It's not official Padres logo on the front door. But still, it's all pretty much backed by a, by AJ Preller signing kids from that academy. Yeah, and and granted, you know, these organizations do trust these places. They do trust the the scouts down there. They trust the Buscones, and they, you know, they believe them when they see talk about the development of the kid. But it's still, there's just got to be some way to do this a little bit better, where. You know, and there's been some rumors in the past of these kids doing performance enhancing drugs, being able to cycle out before they get closer to the draft. And it's just wonky, 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 wonky. That's the Wild West. It really is. It is okay, so the last, the last, the last uh, couple of paragraphs in here, the tactic became commonplace in the industry after Major League Baseball introduced budget limits for international recruiting purposes a decade ago, among other goals to prevent big market teams from gaining an advantage over smaller market ones. So that that was when they started putting the maximum, the hard cap on there, which A.J. Preller kind of took advantage of in 2016, that last cycle before that hard cap went into place. He said, screw the penalties. I'll pay the penalties because I can Next year, I can't. Uh, so, but teams accelerated early prearrangements once they felt cornered by MLB when the hard cap was introduced in 2017. A hard ceiling where over-allocation penalties suffer heavier penalties. <clears throat> so, there's their teams are finding ways around this signing bonus oh, yeah. thing. Yeah, it's, it's not hard. The loop no. you can drive a bus through. <laughs> I mean, so the, the Braves got smacked. When what was it? Coppola was it Coppola that that got suspended for life, or one of their GMs 
got suspended for life, air quotes, yeah. because now he's just got reinstated like two months ago uh, because of their shady dealings that it was, okay, we're going to sign this guy to $500,000 bonus, but we're going to sign your brother to a $200,000 bonus. He's not a prospect, but we're doing that just so that you want 700 grand. It's all, you know, part and parcel because we're signing you and the nobody not to say it, everybody's somebody. Right, right, right. So one team got made an example of because it became a big deal in the news. Yeah. So this kind of thing needs to become a big deal in the news. So then somebody gets penalized and then everybody kind of kind of pairs it down because uh, it's pretty clear that baseball doesn't want to take on the international draft. That was contingent upon something this year in the in the negotiations. That deadline came and went. It's not going to happen this year. It's probably not going to happen this whole CBA cycle, which is where 2026 comes into play that was mentioned in the article. Yeah, we can leave out Puerto Rico in that international draft, and that's a whole other ball of wax that we've talked about. But let's move on to more DL news. <laughs> right, right, right. Go ahead. DSL news. So uh, David J. Madfriars, uh David J. from Mad Friars, hello, um, is is reporting that the Padres plan on having a second DSL team. So that's two teams. But the Padres' move comes as a unique time in their player development arc because the organization invested almost all of its 2023 international free agent pool in Ethan Salas. Nearly 40 members of his year, of this year's signing class are all lower-profile signees, players who signed for 10000 or less don't count towards the bonus pool. Having signed so many relatively untested players, adding a second DSL roster gives the Padres more opportunities to service and develop talent and to retain players from last year's DSL roster who may not yet be physically ready for competition in the U.S. but show upside. The team will be at the same position next year when they have already committed most of their available signing bonus funds to Dominican shortstop Leo De Vries. De Vries? De Vries. De Vries. De Vries. De Vries. Um, you know, so the DSL league starts uh, June 3rd and runs till August 22nd. And so a few years ago, they had two teams in the Arizona complex league. Yeah. That league's usually filled of guys that have graduated from the Dominican league, as well as domestic draft, the, the, the national, the, the, the U S draft, yeah. whatever you want to call it, the regular draft, the rule four draft. Uh, so it's an interesting strategy. I know the Yankees have had two DSL teams for many years. Uh, and it makes sense. You cast a broad net, you bring in all of these guys that have high upside. You don't know, you know, they're rough around the edges and see who pops. And it makes sense. If you're signing all these guys for 10 grand or less, you're not going to have the blue chip prospects that are going to jump to the head of the line. Right. And so this year, another reason why is this year they have a hundred, you're allowed 180 under the CBA, 180 uh, stateside minor league players. Right. And then next year in 2024, I think it goes down to 165. So you stash the whole of the roster down there. You know, you 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 you're kind of you're kind of fudging the numbers to get more guys in the system. You really are. And I don't think there's a limit right now as to how many players they can have in the in their Dominican camp. Yeah. Yeah. So again, it's that kind of tells me again, okay, so there's all this focus on what's going on stateside because that's what people can see. Nobody really sees what's happening in the Dominican side. People don't pay a whole lot of attention to it. So Major League Baseball just lets that run rampant. Yeah. Kind of like back in the 90s, like, oh, people aren't doing steroids. No, <laughs> nobody's doing steroids. Don't pay no attention to that Androstein Dione and Mark McGuire's locker. Well, don't pay no attention to guys like 5'4 hitting 1520 bombs in a season. Yeah. Yeah. Brady Anderson all of a sudden <laughs> every year hits 10, 12 home runs, then boom, 50. Fifth, right, right. <laughs> All right. Hey, let's uh, let's take a break and come back with the affiliate rundown. 
right. So taking us to our affiliate rundown, as always, we appreciate Mad Friars, uh, as well as all the other sources that we skim from across the uh, the inner tubes here. Uh, but the guys at Mad Friars do a great Thank job you. with their interviews Thank you. and Thank their, uh, you. their daily you. write-ups and their weekly write-ups. So if you don't subscribe already, please subscribe to Mad Friars. You're missing out if you don't. Subscribe. So strike one for the storm. Uh, 16, this article was from Jeff Pontus. 16 up arrow prospects drafted after the first round. Uh, Robbie Snelling, left-handed pitcher, low A Lake Elsinore. Snelling earned rave reviews in the spring, the California League. The Padres supplemental first rounder out of Reno High School dominated through six appearances. The 19-year-old Snelling struck out 26.7% of batters while limiting them to a 156 average and allowing a .94 whip. In 26 and two-third innings, he had allowed just four unearned four earned runs. Snelling's pitch mix consists of a four-seam fastball that sits 92 to 94 and touches 95 with 18 inches of induced vertical break. <laughs> Do you even know what that means? I'm not no. sure I even know what that means, but it must be good. <laughs> I think it just spells nasty. No, I think that means that it that it rides, that it doesn't, it, okay. it it's not a straight fastball, it rides up in the zone. Uh, he pairs his fastball with the slurvy low 80s breaking ball and a mid 80s changeup that he shows the ability to kill ride on. Uh, he has a projectable pitch mix with at least above average stuff overall. Look for Snelling to rise up prospect rankings in the coming months. So he was supposed to pitch on Friday. Right. They, they bang all the games till tonight. So by the time he gets here, this it's going to be Tuesday or Wednesday. <laughs> But Tuesday night is when he, he should pitch tonight. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me to hear that they did some kind of a sim game or had him right. throw like a high-intensity bullpen or something like that to to get in his work and stay on that cycle. Because yeah. um, they want to, I mean, the routine is such a big part of what these guys are learning right now. Yeah, so let's move on to strike two. So strike two is going to be my interview with right-handed relief pitcher Kobe Robinson. Great kid. Uh, took the Juco route. Um, has a nice three-quarter angle uh, arm slot. Throws pretty hard. Has a nice slider. Um, he has some really fun uh, answers to some of, my, uh, some of my questions that I had. So you guys enjoyed that real quick. Hey, we're here with Kobe Robinson. Um, how you doing, man? I'm doing pretty good, man. Yeah. Feel good. Hey, ready to pit Sunday. How yeah. you doing? Doing real good. Hey, let's start with your arsenal. What do you, what do you throw? I throw um, a fastball, slider, and changeup. My sinker, I kind of eliminated it because my my forcing kind of plays both ways. Like play, it rises, and it also has like the sinking action. So, yeah, and you're you're almost like a three quarters, almost sidearm kind of arm action. So you get a lot of play on that. Yeah. yeah. Yes, sir. So you've touched ninety nine. Where do you sit now these days? Uh, it's like four to five. Last week was probably my lowest. I really, I was like ninety one, ninety three. Um, you know, sometimes you have those days, but this coming up this Sunday, I know I'm gonna I'm have my velo back. Nice. Is that when you're you're, you're just gonna run the pitch on Sunday? Yes, nice, yes. nice. Hey, grew up in Tennessee. It's kind of not a lot of ball teams around there. Who did you grow up following? Um, I grew up really a Red Sox fan. I played the game, played like the video game a lot, and All I right. was I was just I was like glued on to playing with the Red Sox and David Ortiz. It was just something about. Him and yeah. um, Hanley Ramirez, uh, Dustin Pajoya. I, I just really enjoyed playing with them, and then I just tend to follow them throughout my time playing until now. Now I'm a Padre. 
Yeah, yeah, Dustin yeah. Pedroia. And God, people forget about Hanley Ramirez. Yeah. He was a great ball yeah. player. You know, not one of those just veteran guys that always performed everywhere he went. Yeah. Um, so you played basketball in high school and yes. baseball. Yes. How did those, uh, you know, did you find those skill sets uh, kind of work together? Um, I mean, I was kind of so-so in basketball. Um, I knew going out my junior year, I was, I told myself, like, I feel like I don't like I've matured a lot and that I got like better skills compared to when I was like sophomore, freshman, eighth grade. Um, and my junior year, I just told myself, just go out there, try to ball. If you make the team, let's stay. Let's, uh, let's try to see what like what it does. If you if not, uh, baseball's always been like my go to. So I knew I was going to be straight either way. So growing up, who how did you get the baseball bug? Um, to be honest, I know my dad. He just. I don't know what it was. Baseball came natural. And nice, I guess he, nice. when I was younger, I guess he seen, he seen like, as, as, when I was younger, I guess I seen kind of advanced for that age. And then as I got older, he just kept pushing me to like just, hey, baseball, man. It's like baseball is you. And I just stuck to it. Nice. Well, the basketball skills aren't there, so don't worry about yeah. having AJ. <laughs> AJ for- basketball, I mean, I could now, like, it's kind of weird. Like when I was younger, I really didn't have the fundamentals. But now that I've grown, like grown up, matured a lot, I was like I could actually like I could dribble now and kind of uh, kind of shoot. All right, all right. Well, AJ, there you go. He's yeah, another player. He uh, plays a lot of pickup basketball. I heard of it. Okay, so you so you went to um you went to the JUCO route. Yes. Uh, what was your thought process behind going to the JUCO instead of for? At a at a high school, um, my ACT wasn't the highest. I had the GPA, but. I knew with that ACT score, I was wasn't gonna be able to play D one ball, so I was stuck to like, hey, ju- let's go to JUCO route. And prior to me being drafted, I talked to an advisor, not advisor, uh, somebody that was a uh, what they call a scout for a certain team. Um, yeah. He told me, no matter where you play, we'll always find like the best players. And when he told me that, that's all that went through my head. It was like, no matter where you go, just 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 ball and then go from there. And it's true. They will yeah. find you. They will find you if you can play. Yeah. Um, all right. So then you played in the draft league. How did that? How did you get into the draft league? I always ask the guys this question. How did that come about? You know, you're in, you're you're in Tennessee. The draft league. I think you played in Somerset. I played in West Virginia. West oh, Virginia. That's right. Oh, I forget the name. Uh, I had I had <laughs> I written down. I totally forgot. Yeah, but it was out there in West Virginia. Yeah. How did that come about? So one day we was on the field. And I walk into my phone, and there's a notification saying, like, there's been an invitation sent to me to play in a draft league. And I showed my coach, and I was like, what do you think about this? He's like, you need to take that opportunity. He's like, sign up for it now because that's, like, it's his first year, and it could fill up quick. So I was like, all right, spot on. I, I went and filled everything out. Next thing you know, I got, like, I got accepted. And they then they was like, a week or, week or two from now, we'll let you know what team you on. And then I was blessed to be with Jed Jorko. Yeah, talk about him, Jed. He was um he was an inspiration not only because like I, he played for the Padres, but like he was a good individual. Um, he didn't show any favoritism. He would if no matter what he was pushing you to be your best yeah. you in that short amount of time span, and that's what that's what uh, made me care a lot. Like to see somebody like that actually like push me. Right, absolutely. A guy that's been there knows what to do, how to get it done. Uh, did you find that was the the case with him? Yes, he uh, he was just a big inspiration. Like just to see, like he's been to that to the big leagues level, and it's just like looking up to somebody like that's always a blessing. We started this podcast. He was just he was just he was just leaving the organization. Okay, so that you're in, you're in, you're in West Virginia. The, the 
it's got to be cold there in the beginning. Yeah. yeah. What, what was the weather like there? It, well, it kind of it kind of reminded me of home and how it gets in the winter. But I'm not really a cold guy, so when I'm out there cold, I'm like, dang man, I'm like, warm up a little. I hate throwing in the cold, but I know as as your journey you get to the big league, it's going to be cold places you pitch in. So yeah. it's like, how was the how was the nutrition out there? You know, with the uh, with the host families and and keeping it elite. Honestly, we stayed in a um, a hotel. Um, didn't have a host family there. No, uh, I think they tried, but it didn't like it didn't work out or whatnot. So they okay. kept us all in hotels. But the nutrition, it really it wasn't much. It wasn't much. <laughs> like, um, I was basically I was I wasn't making money. I was like buying food, like because right. we had we like we said like I said we stayed in a hotel. You couldn't really cook like that. So it's a lot of eat at the field, bring it home, or go eat with like the teammates or DoorDash or something like that. But it. It was it was nothing compared to what I'm around now. Right, yeah. right, right now you yeah, eating, you're eating good. Yeah, you I know love and, it here. I was in the uh, I went to the fantasy camp this last year and you know I've I've been in the complex before but I've never been in the little, in the little dining area and I'm like look there's like nine different kinds of milk <laughs> look there's like mini kind yeah. bars like and, and the breakfast every day was like. I was, Spot on, I, yeah. I lost. I gained weight. And I gained I, weight at, at the that's fantasy what, camp. That's what I was excited for. Is the, I was like, I know in pro ball, the nutrition is going to be a lot different than what like what's here right now. And I was just, I was, I was like super amped to get yeah. like come here and get bigger. So then after that, the southern Southern State came calling right at the same time you got drafted. What do you think about it? Would you, you think about going to uh, going back to college, or do you think you wanted to really? You know, get drafted and kind of start your pro career. I really, I wanted to get like my pro career started. Um, when I committed to Southern, Carrick Jackson uh, in high school, he actually recruited me. Okay. But like I said, I didn't have like the GPA, not GPA, ACT, yeah. to get into those type of schools. So my main focus was like, all right, I'm gonna go to JUCO route. But as um, when I got to the uh, draft league and I seen that the velo jump, it kind of like it boosted something in me, like. Hey, like it's, it's it's time now. Like yeah. your velos, like it's up there. All I gotta do is like stay within myself and compete. And you never know what happens. And I was just blessed to get drafted. I knew when I got drafted, I was like, hey, I'm going. Let's go to school. I was like, I'll go back to school. <laughs> Baseball, I'm like, I'm trying to get there now. Let's go. <laughs> okay, so then you were here. You were here for just a cup of coffee last year, yeah? Yes, I was here for about a month. Right, and then going into the off season, you got a kind of a taste back then of pro ball. Going into this off season, what did you want to focus on? I really wanted to focus on my um, delivery, staying in my lower half more, and opening my hips, causing um, a lot more consistency. I tended, uh, I tend to like I, I throw, I've always thrown across my body, yeah. and my arms always been three like three quarters. But um, for me to actually be in the zone compared to last year, I knew I had to go in and like make adjustments yeah. to be able to compete at an even higher level, like go to high A, double A, because that stuff like that I had, like that let, that like, <laughs> how do I say it? The stuff that I got away from, got away with, I got away with from yeah, here, yeah. <laughs> it wouldn't, I wouldn't get away with it in a high, at a higher level. So, yeah. yeah. High A, same, every, every step is incrementally better. Yeah. Like you can blow up by these guys. Yeah. Most of these guys you can blow up by, throw a little off speed, even out of the zone and they'll swing right over yeah. it. You get a high A, double A. They're, they start. They're, they're spitting on that. <laughs> and, I, and I witnessed that last spring. I last last spring training. Um, they put me in the double A group to throw. I, I figured I was throwing double A to double A hitters because they the way they were seeing the ball was way different. They wasn't swinging at anything in the dirt. And I actually had to like throw strike, like get in the zone. Right, right, right. And it gets dangerous because yeah. you take these hacks. You're like, fuck yeah. You like almost hit yeah. that. Um, all right, let's have some fun here. What what do you do to escape from baseball? 
Um, normally after ba- uh, baseball at the field, I go home. Um, I try to I just play video games. Really, MLB the show, just baseball All right. related. All right. Who do you play? Who's the best? Uh, I, to be honest, uh, I've been playing with the Padres on like with the normal teams. All right, and yeah. It's just the lineup we have is is crazy. It's like I don't. It, they're hard to beat on the game. Put it that way. Yeah. Are you playing the game or are you playing someone else? Um, sometimes I play my roommate. Sometimes I get on like online and play like other people from. I wouldn't know who they are. It's like right, right people, but who are your roommates? Um, Isaiah Lowe and Jagger Haynes. Nice, Jagger. Yeah, Jagger. We know Jagger real well. Yeah. Um, celebrity crush. Ooh, celebrity crush. I really, I really don't have a celebrity crush. But if I just name somebody, I say, uh, <laughs> ooh, Glorilla. All right. I don't know if you. I don't know if you know her or not, but Glorilla. Yeah. No, no, no. I'm. I'm that's she's, a little. She's that's a, a little. She's an upcoming, after my time. Upcoming rapper. So okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I'll find her and then we'll put her on your segment. <laughs> uh, what's your comfort food growing up? My favorite. Yeah. Fried chicken. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah. I just. My dad. I just loved his fried chicken. So my brother, my dad. My dad moved uh, to Paris, Tennessee, about 20, mm-hmm. 25 years ago. My brother followed me about a decade later, and I've gone up there several times visiting him. And Flower is a food group. Mm-hmm. And it's like everything's yeah. fried, like every pork chops, chicken. <laughs> do you have a Do you have a comfort food here in, in uh, California? Um, not really. All right. I, I don't know what I, out here. I'd say I really haven't explored many food food options right. around here. Like I, I honestly eat stuff like I would at home. Like my bad. I ate uh, KFC the other day. The okay. bucket. I had that. Um, you know that KFC used to be a buffet. It did? It used to be a buffet. I didn't know dude. they had buffets. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's the only buffet in the whole franchise uh-huh. throughout the United States. But just uh, about two years ago, they turned it right back into uh, to a regular. Right, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I, I'll say that. Um, Chipotle, that's that's a, that's an easy one. Okay, so you're stranded on a desert island. You have food, water, and shelter. What are the three things that you need? Uh, on an island. So we're on an island around a whole bunch of water. I would say I'd like to have a boat. A boat. <laughs> <laughs> the smartest answer that we've ever heard. Yeah, I want to get the, out of here. Hey, I want a boat. Hey, give me a boat. But um, now nah, for stuff like that, I, I'd rather take. I, I want to have a phone. Um, I would like to bring a couple friends. Right. At least. I, a couple. <laughs> I know it's gonna get boring. Right, 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 um, right. And the third one, uh. I don't know. Boat, phone, and friends, man. Yeah, that does I, it. I, I stick with those. Yeah. Who uh, who stars in the movie of your life? The movie. Of my life. Oh. Ah. <laughs> I say Ice Cube. Ah, Ice Cube. Nice, yeah. nice. Ah, oh, God, I saw in I saw NWA in 1990. Yeah. And oh no, it is right after that. Pretty much when I stopped listening to rap, because it just. It, it was so fucking it's, good. It's di- yeah, the rap rap different from back then now. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Okay, so you could have a pet that's not a dog or a cat. What would it be? A monkey. Oh, if it's not a mon- it's not one of those little. I like the um, monkeys are smart, man. I, I don't know what, it is, but they are smart, and I I feel like they're goofy. I like those, but I also want I, I've um, a talking bird. All right, I, bird, I, I forget what you call them. Yeah, parrot or toucan. But yeah, I remember my ex, man. I went to her house. She had one in. Uh, I was sitting on the couch after like maybe two weeks of actually being around the bird and hearing it talk, and next thing you know, I hear it saying my name. I'm like, I'm like, who is that? And I turn it's the bo- it's the uh, bird saying Kobe. I'm like, what? 
I'm like that. I said that's hard. I like that, dude. Uh, who said a monkey? Someone else said a monkey. Was it was it Griffin? Griffin or um, God, it might have been Robbie. One of the other players here said a monkey as well. Well, hey man, we really appreciate you taking the time. Uh, thank you so much, Kobe, thank man. And uh, have a good game on Sunday. I'll be watching. Thank you. Yes, sir. And then in the same day, I, uh, you know, this is reverse podcast mojo for, for strike three. I had talked to uh, Tyler Robertson, who that game, after the interview, played, tweaked something. I think he pulled a hamstring, and he's on the IL. He hasn't played since. Oh, so, no, he's been uh, off to uh, such a good start. Unfortunately, a little bit of reverse mojo. But here's my interview with him. Another great kid, real fun. Uh, you guys enjoyed that here. So we're here with Tyler Robertson. Your dad played college ball. Is that where you got the uh, the baseball bug? A little bit, yes, sir. He he was a pitcher at Jacksonville State and then went to Auburn University of Montgomery and finished out his career. But actually, my grandma's brother, uh, he played minor league ball for a while back in the day in the early 70s. So I think I get it more from my grandma's <laughs> side. Yeah, Because <laughs> he went farther, right? Oh, he yeah, went farther yeah, than just college. Exactly. Uh, what, what organization was he with? I believe he was with the Cubs and the Reds maybe, but like he was just off and on, this never serious about it, but he played a little bit. Okay, so did you did you get to hang out with him? Did you hear the I stories? Actually did. I only got to hear stories really, okay. but he he was gone before I ever was born, oh, so man. yes sir. All right, so then your dad, you got a little bit of the bug from your dad. Did he coach your teams g- growing up? Yes, sir. he never coached, but he was always like in my ear about it. Like I never played t-ball because he said it wasn't real baseball. Like I, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So when I turned seven, I went to the nine and ten year old league, and I always played up because he just wanted me to play with better competition, and then just play travel ball. And but I was always played football, basketball too. So like I was never just baseball. Yes, sir. Really? So yeah. I know you played. I know yeah. you played college, uh, you know, high school yes, football. Sir. Yeah, I so I played basketball my eighth and ninth grade year, and then it kind of starts going into a varsity season. So I stopped playing, but I was always football. I had more football offers than I did baseball. Skip, we okay? Okay, all right, we'll get you out of here real quick. Here, uh, Skip came by and gave me a yeah, look, so hold on, <laughs> we got to get this done. So. So growing up, then you uh, did you go to Mon- you were Montgomery. Yes, sir. You went to Biscuit games. Yeah, oh, yeah. I went to Biscuit games, and then like when I was at Louisiana Lafayette, that's where our Sun Belt tournament was. So we got to play there. So it was always fun. Get, but I think Evan Longoria and like David Price were with the Biscuits like when I was younger. So I got to see them. So, so yeah, they were the Razor organization yep, back then. Yes, yeah. sir. Uh-huh. Dude, that's that's tight. Yeah, it was. Um, so then, out of high school, you went to the JUCO route for a little. Went bit. junior. I only had I, like I only had I had more football offers than I did baseball offers, and only had one offer out of high school, and that was to Shelton State Junior College, and then went there. My coach was Bobby Sproul. He came. He played at Alabama and pitched for the uh, Red Sox and the Astros. So just knew everything about baseball. Very old school, and I loved my time there. And then out of junior college, only had losing a Lafayette. Dude, did I read that you were a cornerback? Uh, cornerback and receiver, yep. Why did you choose, you know, with so many offers with football, you know it's about education, yeah. right? Why did you choose baseball? My dad told me I'd go further in baseball. So. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, Son, I love you, but, you yeah. know, baseball, right. Yeah, everybody's like, yeah, just stick with baseball. So that's what I did. You know, and and, and true, even even then, if you went the football's Highly very, contact sport, you know, exactly. with CTE, even you know, right. going into college, there's a lot of For sure. long-term kind of damage to that. Exactly. And, you know, in baseball, you you just won't be able to raise your arm all the way, kind of right. like me. I can't That's raise it right. all the way because I played baseball. Um, 
So going to college, you played. So you played summer league in Florida. Florida, yeah. And I think that was like I really wasn't even supposed to go because it was right when COVID happened. And one of my buddies was like, "Hey, I got this summer league. You just want to go?" So I went and played. But yeah, it was a fun time. It was in Orlando, I believe. But yeah, it was good. Well. How does that happen? Do they do they contact you? I mean, your buddy said, "Hey, My let's buddy, go play." Actually, he kind of took care of everything. He contacted the team, and like it was the Winter Park Diamond Dogs. And then like they were like, "Hey, well, if you got a buddy that's going to Louisiana, like we'll take him too." So like he kind of took care of everything. So yeah, he contacted them. That's kind of cool because yeah. you guys stay with the host family. Oh yeah, we had a host family, like older lady, and she like cooked for us, gave us groceries. So I didn't pay for anything. It was it was. See, and, and that's that's kind of the cool thing that I, I learned about host families. Um, was they kind of one up each other? Oh yeah, for like, sure. Like, oh yeah, my boy gets shrimp and steak every night. Yeah, you know, I make sure he gets breakfast in the morning. Exactly. Yeah, if they find out someone else is doing something better than them, <laughs> they'll try and one up them. For sure. And then you go play summer ball in, dude, in Virginia. And yeah. I got it here. It is. Um, well, first, did you play any of the spring training fields in Orlando? I'm trying to think. I, the race complex was there. Actually, I played there at. I think I was somewhere where the Orioles complex okay. is, and I played, but that was like in high school. But right. that's the only one I've ever played at in Florida. So then you played in Virginia, uh-huh. yeah, and it's in the sticks. Let me see if I can yeah. find this. It is in the like, yeah. Well, I'm from Alabama, so I'm used to like not having crap to do. So I, I was okay with it. But I mean, yeah, definitely in the sticks. Just show up, play baseball. It was. I think it was more of a grind than this, to be honest. Doing the traveling, how far? So for summer ball, you guys, how far do you guys travel for that? I'd say at the most, you travel is probably like an hour in okay. Virginia, but it's on like a we were like on a short bus with no AC, so like it's a grind. But it was a good time. Like the dudes are usually really cool. Nice. And then you go on to Louisiana. That's where yeah. you kind of make your name. Yes, sir. Um, going to Indiana, where were scouts watching you there? Were you were you getting any conversations so, there with? Added JUCO, and then, like, my first fall at Louisiana, I probably never heard from a – I never talked to a scout in my life. And then, like, I was always under the radar. And then after that first – Coach Deggs, like, love him. Like, my second dad, he told me, I'm putting you lead off. You're playing center field. I don't care how many times you strike out. Just hit the ball hard. <laughs> and then that's what I did. I struck out a lot, but I hit the ball hard. And I just started getting a lot of, like, attention from scouts and stuff like that. And just – it's always been, like, athletic ability. Yeah. And it's just, like, the potential – with me so yeah. like they just loved that and coach Deggs knew that and like I just kept getting better and better and then it led to the second year at UL and it was the same thing then you could have returned but you were drafted yes sir I could have returned yep and I it was I'm not gonna lie it was a very hard decision just in the aspect like how close we were like it was a really like a brotherhood and like I said yeah. like you could go and talk to your coach at any time and like the fan base and everything so it was a very hard decision but then again, I respect Coach Days, and he told me, he's like, it's time for you to go, and I think you're ready for it. So that's why I came. Dude, that's yeah. epic. Yeah. That's epic. Um, so going into going into, into, into right. pro ball, you get to the complex last year. Come sure. up here and have a little cup of coffee. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah going into the offseason, mm-hmm. that, that cup of coffee in a complex, it kind of gave you an idea of right, where you sure. are exactly. developing Going into the offseason, what did you kind of work on to right. come into this year? The biggest thing, obviously, hitting. Just, like, I know, like, a lot of bat path things. I've never, like, really had, like, just a hitting coach, someone that just goes in-depth in my swing, and I've worked. So, like, all offseason I was in Arizona pretty much or San Diego, like, working with them. So that's all I focused on because, again, like, defensive-wise and everything, like, I 
I've been there, like it really wasn't a problem. So hitting, just hit, hit, hit every day. And that's the main thing, just working on direction, timing, getting consistent. And mm-hmm. that's the key, just being consistent. Well, and speed's a big part of your game as well. For sure. So yeah. you st- I had it written down 11 bags stolen, but as I'm writing it, there he goes. 12. Yeah. You got 12 bags stolen. That's a yes. big part of your game, yeah? Yes, sir, for sure. And that was a big thing. I don't think I ever stole a base in Juca because I was a pitcher a little bit, so he didn't want me getting hurt. But when I got to UL, my first scrimmage, I got on first base, and I didn't steal on the first pitch, and he pulled me off the field, and he was like, I didn't bring you here not to steal. <laughs> So ever since UL, <laughs> you get on base, you're stealing, and like that's the thing. Like they know I'm gonna steal, and it's just like running their face. So like that's part of my game for sure. You know, like he's looking over, like, yep. Exactly. As soon as you step forward, dude, I'm out of here. Exactly, exactly. Okay, so uh, we really appreciate you taking the time here, yes, and um, I know you got to get back to the coach. And uh, so we had a little quick hits for you here. All right. Okay. So what do you do to escape from baseball? Usually hang out, talk to my friends a lot, I FaceTime my friends, and then during college football season, I love watching yeah. college football or NFL. So, Oop, okay, college football, Alabama, roll Your tide, Bama, roll tide. Till oh. the day I die. Yeah, they, they, <laughs> that's my team, right? Yeah, I think I've been in more fights about Alabama football than anybody. Uh, yeah. I, it's funny. I talked to Ryan Weathers. We talked to Ryan Weathers a couple of years back, and uh, he's from Tennessee, but right. he's so south of the border down there. He's like, "Oh yeah, Bama all the way." Bama. He's like, like "Roll Tide." It's a way of life for sure. You know, and, and it's funny because my my brother, and my dad live outside of Nashville. We're okay. from San Diego, but they right. moved outside of Nashville. And you know, ten, fifteen years ago, I go v- visit them, and it's a religion. It's almost right. like gangs of New York. Like, you, what do you want? What's that? When you I volunteer, you, you volunteer? What's up? I hate Auburn fans. Like, I hate. <laughs> like, I cannot stand. Like, oh. my best friend's an Auburn fan, but, like, during football season, like, we cannot stand each other on, on certain days. Okay. Um, you got any superstitions? Try to think. Um, not really. Okay. All right. I really no. don't. I don't think I do. Now, okay. obviously, if I'm – Hitting good, I'm going to, like, wear the same batting gloves or, like, I'm not going to switch up anything. Or, like, if I had three for three, like, I'm going to wear the same cleats. Like, I'm yeah. not – yeah. Yeah, like, Terrence, don't wash my socks, dude. Nothing like eating fried chicken before every game. <laughs> uh, yeah. Do you have a celebrity crush? Uh, Summer Ray or Jennifer Aniston? Well, God, the second Jennifer Aniston. What is up with you young uh, kids and the old girl? Sydney Crawford, too. God, <laughs> go in the – Go on the yeah. milf route. I'm sorry oh, yeah. to say that, no. guys. That's fucking classic. I'm a big, like, 70s, 80s. I love that type of music, so. Okay, so growing up, what's your comfort food growing up? Uh, Chicken. Like, anything chicken, I love chicken. Yeah, that's, that's one thing it. about the that's South. It. Like, flour is a food group. Yeah, yeah it's just chicken. What's your, go to, what's your go-to food here in California? I'm trying to, uh... I've had a bunch of good Mexican here, actually, right. like, very good. Like, we really don't have that down south, so Mexican food. And then in San Diego, there was this, like, taco shop, and they had, like, some lobster tacos, and yeah. it was just amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, who's the one person you'd want to meet, living or dead? Um, Mickey Mantle. Nice! The Mick! Nice. You're stranded on a desert island. You have food, water, and shelter. What are the three things you need? I have food, water, and shelter. I'm going to go a TV, phone, and uh, probably a uh, PlayStation. Uh, okay. What do you play? Uh, baseball, like 2K or like anything like that. Who yeah. do you play with here? 
uh, Kobe, Robbie Snelling, Ian Koenig, all them. Yeah. Uh, you like hanging out with the pitchers. I'm a big pitchers dude, yeah. Dude. All my roommates are pitchers, yeah. Oh, that's epic. Okay, yeah. one more time. If you can have one pet that's not a dog or a cat. Tiger. Tiger. What, yeah. you watching Narcos, man? What's going on? Mike Tyson. Like, <laughs> I like, that's, that's what I'm going with. Dude, I really appreciate you taking yes, the time, sir, man. No, have a good game. Me. I'll yes, talk sir. to you soon. Thank you. Yes, sir. Yeah. Nice meeting you. All right, so then let's move on to Fort Wayne for strike one. It was a historic night with a combined three-pitcher, no-hit run for the for, uh, for the tin caps. Jairo Iriarte, Ulan Mundo, and Adam Smith combined for the third no-hitter in Fort Wayne history in a 6-0 win with the tin caps. Listen to the audio here. The Dragons are down to their final strike, and Hendrick calls for time. Adam Smith, who missed most of last year due to injury, just celebrated his 23rd birthday earlier this month. Come set, the kick, the pitch, swing and a fly ball, hammered center field deep, but Marcy's got room on the warning track, makes the catch, and the ball game is over. On Tuesday, May 16th, 2023, a 60-degree night in Dayton, Ohio, History for the Tin Caps. The Caps come out of the first base dugout and celebrate on the infield grass left of the mound. A no-header. And the franchise's 30th season, just the third no-header. Jairo Iriarte, Alon Mundo, and Adam Smith team up for a magical night in the Gem City. That was pretty awesome. So uh, during that during that time, um, right at the ninth inning, uh, eighth inning, a ball was hit to center field, and Jacob Marcy just ran, ran, ran. And it was like, there it is. There's like no no hitter goes happens without a couple of really great defensive gems. Um, Gary Matthews, the dive in Gary Matthews Jr. from center field, I think back in the day when he was with the uh, with with White Sox, I think was a was a good one. Uh, he dive. And he dove and caught this ball, and we have the audio for that right here from John Nolan. Smith's 1-1, swinging a line drive out to center. Marcy dives in. Did he catch it? He did. What a play. Jacob Marcy hang all of the stars. A spectacular catch, sprinting and diving in from center field. And Marcy, for the moment, maintains a magical night for tin caps pitching john does such a great job with the calls i yeah. he's been he's been making his rounds on twitter lately between this and the uh, martarella home run that we're going to talk about in a little bit yeah. uh he's getting a little a little note of a little press out there yeah I, I like to think that uh that he got it from the pod you know some of that podcast mojo <laughs> yeah that's 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 a lot of blood sweat and tears and he's a hard-working man uh so i i love having him in fort yeah. wayne but we all know that he's got a bright future ahead of him. He's going to have some some big job somewhere. He's going to move on. But until then, I'm going to enjoy having John Nolan in the booth for the Tin Caps. Absolutely. And, God, we, we want to keep him here in our system. If not doing something with the Padres, with, with another affiliate, I, I don't know. He um, – you know, he was he was like second in line for the for the job that Sam Levitt got. 
uh, with oh, 97.3. Really? Yeah. Oh, but, I never heard you know, that. But word on the street was that Levitt, you know, Sammy, we love Sammy, but he does a lot more on social media. High profile TikTok, high profile Instagram, high profile Twitter. Um, I think that was the edge out on um, on him getting the job and not John Nolan. You know, when we were driving home from the game on Sunday, we were listening to the post-game show on the radio. And I was talking, me and Angela were talking about what a good job Sammy's been doing, how he's he's got a formula. He's got, he knows what he's going to talk about and what segments. He's got all these clips lined yeah. up. Um, you know, he's he's really got, he's got it down pat right now. Uh, I think he's in a good spot. He loves being here in San Diego. So we're happy for Sam. Absolutely. So let's let's read about the game here. Right. Okay. So first, the previous no hitters. There have been three previous no hitters in. Actually, this was the third no hitter in Tin Caps history. Yeah. Uh, two thousand nine versus the Dayton Dragons. Simone Castro threw a seven inning no hitter, which kind of little bit of an asterisk on there. Uh, and then May two thousand thirteen against the Great Lake Loons, it was Max Freed, Matthew Shepard, Lionel Campos, and Roman Madrid. Man, seeing the name Lionel Campos takes me <laughs> back a little bit. <laughs> Okay, so Iriarte dominated from the onset, striking out the side in the first inning. Iriarte's fastball sat at 96 miles an hour, up a few ticks from what we saw last season. His changeup had great fade, and he also had his breaking ball working. Iriarte completed six innings for the first time on the year, walking just one with eight strikeouts. He flashed above-average stuff at times in the Cal League last season, but he's taken a big step forward this year. The 21-year-old has struck out 39 hitters in 26 innings, allowing just 15 hits. Iriarte has some consistency issues with command, but he has some of the best pure stuff in the system. After Iriarte left the game, Ulan Mundo came out of the bullpen and recorded five outs, walking one and striking out one. Mundo contributed to a no-hitter for the second time in his many seasons. Yeah. Last season, he recorded the final six outs for the Storm as he and Garrett Hawkins collaborated on the first no-no in Storm history. Righty Adam Smith got the final four outs, including a long fly ball to the track to put the exclamation point on the memorable night. The 23-year-old was the Padres' 14th round pick in 2021 out of UNC Wilmington. Uh, Smith has battled injuries last year and appeared in just two games, but has been a reliable arm in the Tin Caps bullpen this season. In 11 and a third innings, Smith has a 2.35 ERA. Yeah, absolutely. So, so we already played the audio for Jacob Marcy making that diving catch. Yeah. And you know, you were talking about you saying that every no hitter has these big defensive plays. The one that's the exception to that is the Joe Musgrove no hitter. Remember there were only like there were only a couple of hard hit balls and they went right to somebody in the outfield. It was kind of a ho hum no hitter that didn't have all the flash and pizzazz of the crazy defensive uh web gems. Right. I thought but, there might have been one with Cronworth there, but I'll take ho hum. I, I took ho hum. Like it, I don't want no. It was a hard hit ball. He had to take a couple steps to one side, but it wasn't one of these like layout diving catch, bring it back from over the fence. Right. You know, make the close play at first base kind of thing. Yeah. But let's move on to strike two. So the strike two we have this is uh, from Sam Dykstra from MLB Pipeline. The best prospect finds for each team, and that best prospect find is Jairo Iriarte. San Diego was capped at giving out three hundred thousand international three hundred thousand dollars international bonuses in two thousand eighteen, but may have found a potential major league contributor for just seventy five thousand in Hero Iriarte. The twenty one year old right hander now sits in the mid nineties, as it has an and has the slider and changeup to round out a solid three pitch mix. He's off to a great start in High A Fort Wayne, including pitching the first six innings of the no hitter that we just talked about. On top of that, he. 
Hiriarte and pitcher of the week. There was also a write-up in the athletic. Uh, one of their prospect writers uh, just came out today, had glowing things to say. Um, and the only knock on him, it really is the, uh, the command. He walks more guys than he probably should. Yeah. Um, but he's so young that you figure, you know, you get guys figure that kind of stuff out. I mean, I mean Randy Johnson walked the whole house back right. in the day. <laughs> Nolan right. Ryan and- had massive com- command problems for the first several years of his career. Right. And also I think in that, I think I saw this tweet too. It said that, you know, due to his size, cause he's not a big kid uh, due to his size. Maybe he, um, he ends up a, a, a you know, reliever. Right. I leverage reliever. Yeah. So but that's I, way down the line. It, it could be, but you know, people say that kind of thing about undersized pitchers. It, it seems like a, an easy tag to put on a guy. You see somebody who's five ten touching six foot wiry and they go, nah, they'll never hold up. But then you look at Pedro Martinez had a long successful career and there's a lot of guys that are undersized that still can get it done. Yeah. All right. So uh, moving on to, well, we're still in Fort Wayne. So uh, 16, again, this article by Jeff Pontus from baseball America, 16 up arrow prospects drafted after the first round in 2022. Uh, Nathan Martorella, first baseman of the Padres. Martorella is a first base only slugger in the mold of recent bit breakouts like Vinny Pasquantino and Kyle Manzardo. I'm going to pause right there. Martorella has been playing some left field. The only reason they say he's a first base only slugger, he throws with his left hand. So where are you going to put somebody that throws with their left hand? They're either a pitcher, a first baseman, or an outfielder. And he's a little thick for an outfielder, but he can get out there and move. Uh, So he's not really first base only, but that's kind of how, how he's been seen. They drafted him as a first baseman. Right. So so they're probably throwing him in the outfield just to keep his bat in the lineup. Oh, for sure. Yeah, he was yeah. first baseman, college, and all that. Uh, so Martorella, go ahead. Yeah, so Martorella's combination of, of miss rate below 20%, a zone miss rate below 17%, a chase rate below 15%, and an average exit velocity north of 90 miles per hour puts him in rare company. So far in 2023, it's led to results as well. The 22-year-old left-handed hitter is hitting 267, 383, 500, uh, with a walk rate of 15.6 and a strikeout rate of just 14.9 through 34 games. It's an exciting combination of skills from a player who's more athletic than either Pasquanito, Pasquanta, Pasquatch, we'll just we'll call him Pasquatch, and Manzanardo. <laughs> so what all those numbers mean is that he has better strike zone discipline than, oh, than yeah. most hitters at the level, but he also hits the ball hard, which is a, you, usually when you see the elite strike zone discipline, you see a lot of ground balls and somebody who's speedy that can yeah. you know run through. You see like a Luis Arias kind of, kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, but he's been hitting the ball hard. He had yeah. a grand slam in the game the other day uh, that, that kind of went viral. Um, I did. I so, posted that video and he had an absolute donkey kick. Oh, it was up by the top of the batter's yeah. eye. Or I got it right was here. Was that in, in Dayton? Yeah. So I got it here for strike three. Friday, Adam Mazur threw six scoreless innings. He struck out a quarter high six batters in the longest outing of his rookie season and held Dayton to three hits and no walks. Sunday, big donkey Nathan Mortarella hit a 427-foot, 96-mile-an-hour fastball. Grand slam. Like he got, he crushed this and he, he tossed the bat and he knows when he, he got it. He knew he got it. There we go. All right. So moving on to San Antonio uh, strike one on Tuesday, Chandler Siegel stroked a two run single in the top of the 10th to put the missions ahead for good. Ripken Reyes had two singles scored twice and stole his fifth base of the campaign. The 26 year old is in the midst of his best stretch as a professional. 
In 22 games, Reyes is hitting 279, 429, 389 with a homer and 12 RBI. His 818 OPS is the highest mark he's posted since his pro debut in 2019 when he spent most of his time in the ACL. Right-hander Duncan Snyder completed four and a third innings and allowed three runs on four hits, walking three and striking out three. In seven starts, Snyder has only completed five innings once. In three other starts, he's worked into the fifth but hasn't been able to work long enough to secure a victory. Yeah. In 30 innings, Snyder has walked 20 batters after issuing just 12 in 48 innings with the Storm in 2022. Despite the free passes, Snyder has pitched to a 3.9 ERA. Um, to jump back to Nathan Martorella for a second. Yeah. Uh, so more strikeouts than walks. He's got some power that's starting to show up. He hits the ball hard all over the place. First base only, hits lefty. Kind of reminds me of what we were hearing about Josh Naylor when he first came over to the Padres. Yeah, yeah. Naylor was was all bat and all first base. He wasn't, but once again, very much, much more athletic than he looks. Um, and, right. and you've seen what he's become. He's become a really good hitter. I'm not sure if, you know, I think Naylor might've been a little more advanced at the plate than he is, but certainly, you know, when his first show, first full season in, in affiliated ball, Monterello is definitely showing um, he's a steal in what the 10th round, 13th round. He, he was a lower round guy, wasn't he? Yeah, he was well into the third day. Oh, Naylor, from the day he showed up, people were talking about plus power with him, that it was going to yeah. come eventually. And and it took a while for that to all develop. I haven't heard that yet with Martorella, uh, but you never know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's his first full season in 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 in, uh, in pro ball. So he got another hit tonight. Like he scored from first on a double. Like he's he's got athleticism. He is showing up. Yeah, he's making so, a name for himself. So let's go on to move strike two. Thursday, Nolan Watson threw seven uh, seven three hit innings, walking two and striking out six. The 33rd year overall, 33rd overall pick of the 2015 draft and former Royals farmhand has been a strong contributor in his second season with the missions, going two and two with a 1.35 ERA. While he struck out only 22, he's allowed just seven walks in 35 and a third innings of work and has drawn consistently weak contact. The missions collected 16 hits. All nine starters recorded at least one hit, with Connor Hollis leading the way with four hits, including a home run. Chandler Sheila had a single and a double. Ripken Reyes continues to shine atop the missions lineup, smacking a pair of hits and driving in a run to raise his average to 288. The University of San Diego alum has played mostly infield in 2023, but last season the 26-year-old made 34 starts in right field, the most of any position he's played, followed by 20 starts at second. He's a little, he's a little thick. He's he, he I'm not sure if he's going to be a, a a right fielder, but um, the kid came back from the development list and has just taken off. Like he's in he's in the rundown every week. Yeah, he is. We're saying his name a lot. Somebody else we're talking about a lot. We've got here strike three on Saturday. Jackson Wolf, age twenty four. Oh, off his best professional start last week when he went seven innings and only allowed a run with eight punchouts. He needed eighty seven pitches to make it through four and a third. The lefty gave up a season-high seven hits and saw his ERA crap creep back up to 4.91 on the year. Uh, Kevin Copps, who hadn't allowed an earned run in his last six appearances, gave up four Saturday. That's one less than he surrendered in 12 and two-thirds April innings. Uh, the 26-year-old saw his ERA swell from 2.33 to 3.86. I gotta wonder if they were tipping something, or if they had a if they had the telescope out there in center field picking up the signals, or what was going on in that game. So I, those I guys are him, too good to get roughed up like that. 
Yeah, I, I watched him pitch a couple times, cops, and he just he loses he he leaves it up in the strike zone. Like the slider comes, it hangs and it's right in the middle, and they capitalize. Mm, yeah, you can't do that. No. So moving on to El Paso Tuesday, the tweet from the El Paso Chihuahuas was days between Anderson Espinosa's first and second career six innings, six inning pitch outing. 2,541 days. Now, between his second and third, just six. Anderson Espinosa pitched six innings and allowed only one run. He struck out seven and didn't walk any. Espinosa matched his seasoned and career highs by pitching six innings, and he now is allowed one run and 12 innings this road trip. In his first 16 innings this season, Espinosa walked a staggering 18 batters. Woof. And we were talking about that almost every week, how just he just couldn't get it going. Mm-hmm. San Diego Padres reliever Nabil Krizmat allowed a run on one and one third innings for his first MLB injury rehab appearance in El Paso. Tim Lopes scored three runs Tuesday and now has 36 runs scored this season, which is the third most in the Pacific Coast League. El Paso left fielder Preston Tucker went four for five to tie his season high for hits in a game. Alfonso Rivas hit his eighth home run of the season uh, Tuesday to tie Lopes for the team lead. Rivas, the former L.A. Country Day star, is closing in on his professional high in home runs. He hit nine home runs as a member of the A's organization in 2019, with eight of those homers coming in high A. So the, the nine that he's hitting here is is just incredible, or eight that he's hitting here is just way, way above. Right. Now, you mentioned uh, Nabil Krizmat. Uh, he's on a rehab assignment right now. Uh, they sent him out on May 16th. So players can be on a rehab assignment for 20 days before the team needs to take action. Uh, He would need to come back by June 5th, according to my math. He doesn't have any minor league options. Um, So we'll see what happens. He was struggling at the major league level before they put him on the IL. Uh, I I always get a little bit curious when I hear of conveniently timed uh, injury list assignments, like what happened with Jose Zocar. Uh, he was all of a sudden he had this elbow inflammation. They sent him, got an MRI. Everything's fine. Give him a little cortisone injection. Uh, meanwhile, you've got Adam Engel, who's due to come off the the IL, no minor league options. And so it seems like convenient timing. And then Azokar goes and has a great couple of games. Yeah. Engel really struggled with the team and they're, they release Engel. And oh, yeah, they designate him for assignment yeah. and they bring a Zokar right back. I and mean, that was the shortest rehab assignment I, I can recall. It was like two games and he's back. Yeah. And and Engel was struggling in AAA. So that injury, whatever injury happened in spring training, I can't remember what it was, but it just sidelined his whole season. He it was, was a quad. I want to say it was like a quad strain. Okay. So it, he was a he was a glove first outfielder to begin with. Right. So the injury is just uh, just devastating. You hate to see it, but you know when you're trying to make the playoffs and you know recently just trying to get our head above water. You know those guys. You know we've had, like Melvin said, we've had Sugar for a while, and we like what we see in him, and decided to you know to DFA Angle. Angle. Right. I mean, Angle got picked off on first base in a in a key moment of the game. Yes. You know, he he just. And meanwhile, you got Ozokar playing good defense. He's a good base runner. He can lay down a bunt when you need somebody to. I, and plus, he seems to vibe well in the clubhouse. There's yeah. there's a value to that. Yeah. Okay, so moving on, strike two. Jay Groom struggled with command while getting into and pitching out of trouble. Uh, Groom walked four and gave up six hits while only surrendering one earned run. You know, we've been – people were looking at Jay Groom like, oh, he might get the fifth starter – before they signed Michael Waka. And then, oh, when when there needs to be an, op- an opportunity, he's going to step through the door. 
he's got to clean some stuff up before he earns that opportunity. Absolutely. So Angel Felipe struck out the side in the eighth inning to earn his second hold of the season. Felipe signed as a minor league free agent before the 2022 season. Hasn't fared well thus far in 2023 with a 7.98 ERA and a 1.84 whip in 14 innings, but he dialed his fastball up to 98 miles an hour. He's on the 40-man roster. They added him last year to protect him from the 40, uh, the Rule 5 draft. Yeah. So somebody to keep your eye on because both of those guys, Groom and Felipe, they could contribute if they can get their legs under him. Yeah. Ray Kerr closed things out for his fourth save of the season. Kerr, a regular on the Southwest Airlines shuttle between El Paso <laughs> and San Diego, is 1-0 with a 1.35 ERA and a 1.13 whip in 13 and a third innings with the Chihuahuas in 2023. With only five walks, Kerr has shown improvement so far in his control, the one factor keeping the flamethrowing lefty from big league success. And I think those five walks came before he got called up to the majors, yep. didn't walk anybody in his time in the majors, hasn't walked anybody since. Uh, yeah. So Kerr is the good side of that story. All right. So strike three Sunday catcher, Kevin Pulawacki, who we picked up from, I think the Mets released him. The Mets released him. Yeah. And then the Padres picked him up. We need catching depth. Uh, he's got 400 and some odd major league games under his belt. So definitely a, a death piece. Um, we had a system debut on Saturday connected on Homer as a designated hitter. The 32-year-old veteran has 449 big league uh, games. It's like 452 in parts of three seasons in the PCL with Las Vegas as he shoveled to the big leagues for the Mets. He owns a 341 slugging percentage in the majors. And then Monday, once again, Julio Tarrant opted out of his contract. Um, again, is going to look for a better opportunity to get back to the majors with another team. Julio was he deeper. He signed with the Brewers. He did. He yes, was he, did. he was deeper in our depth chart, and there was going to have to be some significant injuries, I think, to our uh, rotation for him to get a shot. Yeah, it was just an interesting timing that he yeah. opted out, and then they signed him back, and then like a week later, he opted out again. Yeah. I there's all there's weird jockeying back and forth going, and this is going on all around baseball. I mean, this yeah, is the this time of year. Us. When all these opt-outs come up and guys bounce around, uh, Gary Sanchez, the Mets just called him up. The Giants released him. The Mets picked him up. Speaking of the Mets, they they uh, released Ploiecki at the end of the last year. Um, it's kind of the carousel. Guys hanging on to the end of their major league career, yeah. trying to find that last big league paycheck. Yeah, I, I think that's what people need to understand. I mean, people, as a fan, we want to we put ourselves in the mind of the players. We go, okay. I want to go play for a team that has a chance to win a championship because every player wants a ring. They want that spray and champagne party at the end of the season. But really, it's about the paycheck. They want to find their way to get that big league paycheck again. Yeah. And, you know, because they need to support their family, they need for their own long term security, all that kind of stuff. Uh, it's a little different situation than what we see as a fan. Right. And if Pulecki stays healthy, I guarantee you we see him up this year. I, I, I guarantee we see him before. Uh, Camposano comes back. Yeah. Well, so how does that happen? Does, does Brett Sullivan's been doing okay since he's been up yeah. and it takes a while for somebody who's making their major league debut to really get comfortable. I don't know what he's like defensively, you know, behind the scenes working right. with pitchers, but he seems to be pretty good. I, I noticed like there was Blake Snell threw a pitch, didn't get the call. And you see, he's very, you see, he wears his emotions on his face. So the look on his face, the way he turned around, you could tell he was pissed. And right away, Sullivan sprung up, jogged out there, talked to him. I don't, I don't know what happens out there on the mound, but then Snell got back out there, struck the guy out, moved yeah. on. 
Yeah. You know, some guys that I not to crap on Camposano, but you go back to when Camposano came up, what a year or two ago had one start with Snell and it was a disaster. And I, as the fan was sitting there watching Snell just dangle and it's like, go out and talk to him. Somebody yeah. pitching coach, come out and talk to him. Somebody just break things up so that you can shift his mindset. I don't know what it's going right. to take, but it was just so tough watching him just dangle out there, just twist in the wind. Um, so maybe Sullivan has a better grasp of that than most. Maybe that just comes with maturity. He's what, 30, 31 years old now. Uh, I, everybody talks about what a defensive wizard Nola is and the game planning side, but and he's not a good framer. He's right. not good at throwing anybody out and the bats just not doing anything. So how long of a leash do you give these guys? I guess the flip side of that is where do you find the replacement that's going to step in and do a better job? Right. And you also, you you also want to, you know, particularly with, with Noah and guys like that, you want to respect that, you know, he hasn't been catching for that very long and you, you want to show other players like you just don't DFA a guy. Uh, out, out of nowhere, you find some way to get him on the injured list. Maybe you know he injures himself. One of those phantom IL runs <laughs> to get someone else up, um, to give someone else an opportunity. Because uh, other other teams see that. Other teams see how you treat those guys, and I think that matters. It's a little inside baseball. I don't think you you don't see it, but I know that the major league guys do, and that it matters that you don't just we're done with you. We don't need you anymore. You're not performing. You're out. Um, Particularly True. with with Nola, who hasn't been catching that long, so we'll we'll see how it goes. It's very interesting. You no, know, I, I think done. we're seeing I think we're seeing some of that play out with the door. That I, as obvious, I was down on him as yeah. as you were the only so one. many people, and then all of a sudden last Sunday, he's the guy that comes up with a big hit, and everybody said, "Well, maybe it takes just one big hit to kind of get things going." Today, I think he's got a hit in today's game already. So far, he came in, got a hit, and scored a run. Yeah, and so the guy is starting to contribute. But then on top of that, you see how he interacts with the guys in the dugout. Yeah. That he's buddies with half of like it's close friends with half of yeah. the half of that clubhouse. So you do keep somebody around for the vibes and the experience, um, and and hope that at some point the performance comes along. So who knows? Maybe Nola's gonna gonna click. Something's gonna happen, and it's gonna resolve itself. But in the meantime, we're just gonna. I, I can't help but just wonder. What's out there? What can they do? Yeah. Well, we're we're gonna wonder one more day. They're winning now four to three. By the time you guys hear this, that game will be already in the books. Um, till then, you know, even we just they, the Padres they just gotta get their head above water. God, and it's gonna take all week for them to get to get above five hundred. They're what six games in the hole? Yeah, well, you know, as the uh, as the song title goes, barbarism begins at home. So yeah. uh it began at home on Sunday, and let's hope that this keeps going on this road trip. Until then, you can catch me on Twitter. Uh, I'm at Zippy underscore TMS. You can find me on Twitter at SD Donovan. Let's go Padres. Go Padres.